0: Ikke många norrmän vet att Indonesiens ambassadör till Norge Dr. Todo Mulya Lubis är er en av Indonesiens främste juridiska experter och han är er som Asiens främste mänsklighetsadvokat. Hans bok Politisk korruption i Indonesia berättar om korruptionens sider, og och dag så möter jag han för att spärra något av detta, för att lära det och så vi kan använda det både på vårt eget samfund och på olika samfund i hela världen. So, follow med this blir extremely important. What a privilege to be back with you, Dr. Todung Mulyalovic, the Ambassador of Indonesia to Norway. Um, and uh, as we have uh, uh, talked about before, you have a vast uh, experience from Indonesian society as a lawyer and as a human rights expert. Uh, you wrote a book uh, back in uh, 2017 called Political Corruption in Indonesia. Uh, and I've devoured it. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not going to ask you to focus on Indonesia, but I'd like you to, to share some of your expertise on Uh, the term corruption. Uh, Now, what would you say, how would you define corruption? Well, it's simple. Uh,
1: It is a self-enrichment by breaking the law. That's corruption, actually. But the World Bank has a very uh, good uh, definition of corruption. Abuse of power for private gain. So when you talk about abuse of power for private gain, it also means self-enrichment. Breaking the law, taking others' uh, money for your own enrichment. Under the law in Indonesia, corruption is defined also along that line. Corrupting state uh, finance, state money for your own sake. Uh, not in so many words, but I guess the same line with what the World Bank has uh, defined. Most of the countries in the world, I think, use the same definitions. Of course, you know, uh, in different laws, you have more, probably, uh, detailed definition. Yeah, But yeah, uh, I guess we can agree on that, yeah? At the later stage, you probably can uh, see corruption has developed, mm. has evolved, uh, where corruption is not only something very personal, yeah, what they call a bad apples, mm. yeah. It becomes endemic, mm. it becomes systemic, yeah? yeah. Part of the systems. If it is bad apples, then you are talking about naughty boy, yeah. yeah? A person who just steals something for yeah, his needs. yeah, But the whole society, generally speaking, are not doing that. Yeah. So you have some people who are really bad, who are really naughty. But when it becomes systemic, there's something we have to ask. Why it becomes systemic? Why it becomes uh, endemic? Perhaps because they don't have enough to eat, mm. yeah? they are poor, they cannot have a decent life, yeah? they cannot send their kids to school, their salary is very minimal, so they have to corrupt. Mm. They have to s- steal money from their office. Why it is systemic? Because the system provides loopholes. So the loopholes has been used by them to accumulate funds mm. for what purpose? Yeah, Aside from uh, self-enrichment, probably also to share it with the others. Mm. So that's why we call corruption becomes uh, widespread, mm. Yeah. Uh, so everybody has Probably uh, share in it. Mm. Yeah. S- now nah. later on, corruption becomes more political. Mm. Yeah, uh, the political parties, the companies, uh, corrupt. Yeah, the state uh, state funds using all the opportunities, using the legal systems, even making the system. now nah. We see the state is being hijacked mm. by the corrupt, by the parties, by the companies for their own uh, sake. So that is what I call state capture corruption. So by... Cap- so the state cap- captures... State captures. So the state is being hijacked, mm. yeah, being used and misused. So the political parties put their people in the parliaments, yeah, pass the law to... Uh, legalize their uh, corruption. The political parties put their people in the cabinet, in the governments, to open the door for them to get contracts, Mm. to get position. So those are the things happening when you talk about state capture. Norway, of course, you know, is very clean. Yeah, the law here is very, very clear. Mm-hmm. And although there is corruption, but it is what I call petty corruption. It's not really a grand corruption. Mm-hmm. In a uh, developing countries, emerging economies, you have a lot of grand corruption.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: People, yeah, corrupt not because they are poor, yeah. not because they need that, mm-hmm. yeah. People corrupt because their powers, they want to, yeah, use the money for, yeah, for the parties, for the groups, yeah. yeah, for their own political purposes. But when you're talking about petty corruption, yeah, people just need to corrupt because they need the money exactly. to survive. Exactly. Yeah. So that that's what's going on, yeah, in a quite number of emerging economies, developing countries.
0: Actually, uh, your nation was, uh, ind- became independent in 1945. Yes. But you, you, you tell the story in your book mm. about a novel that was mm. uh, published in 1954. Just yeah. to tell us briefly about that.
1: Well, Pramudi Anandaturh. That was the name uh, of the author. Is a novelist, yeah. He passed away already. He wrote quite a lot of novels and uh, very critical, and at one point uh, detained in a, a concentration camp in the Buru Islands, yeah. because he belongs to the Communist Party. Mm. Yeah. But that novel was written long before that. He already predicted a young state like Indonesia face corruption. Mm. Yeah? So uh, the novel talks about corruption because people have all this challenge, all these temptations to survive, mm. to uh, to uh, to follow yeah the trend, yeah, the fashion. Yeah. He yeah, the, the characters uh, he wrote in his novel is a person who is a civil servant, uh, worked in an educational department, but did not have enough remuneration salaries, while his friends, his colleagues, yeah, have a lot of money yeah. because of corruption so being the head of the department he was very upset mm. yeah why he did not have that much money mm. so uh, to make a long story short yeah he decided okay i can do that i have a power too but his wife didn't like it so his wife Just didn't, he like, didn't like, it. like it he said well how come you have so much money yeah yeah this is not your salary this is not your remuneration exactly so that that's the story actually yeah so i've said well i don't want you to uh, corrupt Mm. yeah so that that only uh, a background for my book actually yeah yeah? that a lot of people back in 1950s already smell corruption smell corruption because yeah a lot of people still yeah poor at the and, uh, yeah, it was natural, but it was actually a petty corruption. Yeah. yeah. It's not a grand corruption. Now you have grand corruption. Yeah. Yeah. You have grand corruption. You have that in the Philippines. You have that also in uh, Nigeria. You have that in, yeah, a lot of countries.
0: Exactly. A lot of countries. Uh, you tell in the book about after the 32-year mm-hmm. reign of President Suharto, mm-hmm. who, who seemed to be corrupt, his, his vice president became the president, uh, mm-hmm. mis- uh, Mr. Mr. Habibi. Yes. And you say something be- very beautiful about him.
1: Well, Habibi uh, was a vice president, a protégé of Suharto, and, uh, yeah, had no trust from the people when he took over power from Suharto. Because, yeah, he was seen as uh, puppets of Suharto. Yeah. at that time. But being educated in Germany, yeah, he's an engineer, yeah. He knows the, the rule of law. He knows democracy. Yeah. He uh, respects freedom of speech. Mm. Respect respects uh, difference of opinions. Mm. And uh, he d- respects rule of law. So, in his short period of time, he managed to introduce a number of laws. Mm. Among others, the law that deals with corruption, with the freedom of the press, with the election, Mm. free and fair election. Mm. So, he was very uh, instrumental Mm. in changing Indonesia from the authoritarian state to become more democratic mm-hmm. state, so that was his legacy. Mm-hmm. East Timor was part of Indonesia. Uh, I'm not going to talk about why it became part of Indonesia at the time, yeah, because T- East Timor has never been part of Indonesia before that. But yeah, in 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 1980 uh, something, it became part of Indonesia. Yeah. Now, uh, of course, there are, there are a lot of resistance yeah, within East Timor mm. and it has become yeah, big, big issues for Indonesia. Habibi, at the time, decided, okay, let's give East Timor uh, a plebiscite referendum, mm. yeah? let them decide what they want to do, whether they want to be part of Indonesia whether they want to be independence they decided to be independence yeah? it was also Habibi mm. no one could have imagined yeah Suharto would agreed on that mm. and I don't think Suharto would would have agreed to that mm. and no one could have imagined whether someone else would have dared to do that yeah yeah so Habibi did that so that's why at that time a lot of people talk about okay I mean, we deserve a Nobel Peace for that. Yeah, yeah? But he was actually no- nominated, right? I don't know whether he was nominated. Yeah, but uh, that was uh, publicized in Indonesia that he actually deserved a Nobel Peace for that. Well, I uh, I agree actually, but the Nobel Peace went to José Ramos-Horta, yeah. yeah, the current president of East Timor, mm. yeah, and uh, Pastor. Uh, Belo at the time so uh yeah habibi has a special place in indonesian history yeah yes he was a uh, protege of suharto but yeah he managed to free himself
0: from all this stigma yeah of the past so he served just 16 months or something 18 months 18 months 18 months and still he wrote his name into history yeah. 18 months yeah it's a that must be an encouragement for people who have been caught by wow. the system during throughout time
1: if you want to publish newspapers or magazine you have to have a license to publish yeah. issued by the government so it's not a right in itself so when you have a license to publish who issued the license? It was issued by Department of Informations. Yeah. Now, the issuer of the license can always revoke the license. Yeah. Here you can publish newspapers or magazine without without license if you want to. Of course, you know, the publisher, which happened to be a company, must be formed according to the law. As a company, mm. but to publish, you can publish because, yeah, this is part of part of the freedom of speech. Mm. So Habibi reinstated that. Mm. Yeah, now no more license to publish. Mm. You can publish whatever you want, but of course, you know, if you break the law, if you violate the law, you have to be accountable. Exactly. So uh, that that's probably yeah another milestone of Habibi, yeah? and it was also Habibi who led political new political parties uh, set up. Otherwise, we only had three political parties under Suharto. When he became president, then out of sudden we have forty eight political parties uh, participating in general
0: election. 48 political parties. That's a lot. So although Indonesia has its challenges, there's a, a vast improvement in your nation during these last 20 plus years.
1: Well, uh, could be better, but I must admit that we have made a lot of improvements. Made a lot of improvements in terms of combating corruption, mm-hmm. in terms of human rights, because we have to fight a lot of human rights convention already, mm-hmm. in terms of Good governance. In terms of education and uh, democracy. Now, yeah. I guess in ASEAN, Southeast Asian countries,
0: that's the organization.
1: Yeah, similar to European Union in a way. Indonesia is the most democratic countries Hmm. in ASEAN. That's great. Compare with other states. In ASEAN, Indonesian press enjoys more freedom than other countries mm-hmm. in Asia. Because as you know, the tendency in quite a lot of countries is to impose what they call illiberal policy. Yeah. Yeah. You have that also in Europe. Yeah. yeah? Of course. You have that, you know, here, not far from, from, from Norway. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, the tendency is there, mm-hmm. yeah. In other Asian countries yeah. to have illiberal policies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I'm not saying that we don't have that, yeah, mm. but uh, compared with other countries in ASEAN, Indonesia probably the one that is more democratic and more open than the others.
0: Exactly. Now, finally, uh, Your Excellency, um, the concept of corruption, is it only about money or is it also about exchange of favors, for example, Well, uh, nepotism.
1: Well, if you read U.N. Uh, conventions in corruption, it covers almost everything. Conflict of interest, exchange of favors, uh, nepotisms, yeah. everything. So it is not only a matter of yeah, self-enrichment in terms of money. Yeah. Contract of interest is also part of that mm. corruption, yeah. yeah? Exchange of favors is also part of the corruption. Nepotism is part of the corruption. So I guess uh, we have to see corruption in a broader sense. Yeah. Yeah? We cannot see that simply in a legal terms, mm. yeah? Uh, because if we limit ourselves to the legal definition of corruption, mm. then we miss a lot of corruption law and ethics is not necessarily the same. Yeah, yeah. But I think uh, no one can, uh, yeah, uh, escape from the ethics. Exactly. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, ethics is more uh, sublime.
0: Yeah, more supreme. Exactly. In my opinion. That's important to hear from Mm. a a doctor of law. Mm. Now, sir, uh, the United Nations Convention Against Corruption (UNCAC) was uh, ratified by Indonesia yes. and, uh, and Norway. Also, uh, that's a good tool, right? A good. Yeah, set, that's a good, good standard. Tool, yes. Yeah. Well, uh, we
1: ratified that, and we uh, enacted a number of government regulation in line with the UN Convention Against Corruption, because the law. On uh, corruption eradication in Indonesia, is not as broad as the UN Convention against Corruption. Exactly. So that's why we ratified that and we broaden our definition of corruption. So uh, now, yeah, in Indonesia, yeah, corruption has been defined and cover quite a lot of things which for the business people yeah is considered too much yeah. yeah because it is common in many countries to have what they call facilitation payment yeah. Yeah? Yeah. to speed up, expedite the whole process yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to get the license <laughs> exactly For that in order to get that you can pay something yeah. Yeah? Yeah. now uh, it it's is, a worldwide thing it is worldwide things huh? but in Indonesia there's no way you can do it wow. Now. As a matter of practice,
0: it it still happens, but as a matter of law, it is against the law. I just must tell my viewers that I have not paid the ambassador to (laughs) to have these interviews. Thank you for receiving us. Thank you, thank you, thank you for having me. Now, you were instrumental in forming in the Indonesian uh, 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 chapter of. uh, uh, tra- Transparency, Transparency International, International, which is also present in Norway. Yeah. That's an important organization, right? Yeah, yeah. It's based in Berlin,
1: yeah. in uh, Germany. So I am the founder of the Transparency International chapter in Indonesia, and uh, the first chairman of the Transparency International in Indonesia, so I served two terms, yeah. uh, chair of the chapters so uh, that's what made me probably what I am at the moment yeah, because I, I
0: learn a lot from that uh, involvement. You know, I'm so privileged to have mm-hmm. known you for these uh, last three plus years. And I'm not sure that Norway fully realizes what a, uh, a capacity a legal expert we have had in our midst. So I'm privileged to have made now the third you, program Staya. with you, Your Excellency, Dr. Todung Lubis. Thank you again for Thank having you, me. Thank you for helping me. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.